Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel in Skinny Atlas, New York. If you'd like to find more like this, or you'd like to learn a little bit more about our church, you can do so by going to gconline.org. And now, let's jump into this week's message. Well, we're going to start a series on prayer. I'm excited about this. A series on prayer because what's amazing, we just came off this series on the Holy Spirit. The reality that the Spirit of God dwells within the people of God. Mind-blowing. And yet, so true and so real. And so now as we move into this next series, these two are woven so tightly together. It's incredible. But this understanding of prayer. And as I've considered it, one of the things I I look back and our elder team and our church leadership said, one of our desires is this, that we at Grace Chapel would create and, and allow a culture of prayer to be here and present at Grace Chapel, that we, we would be a people of prayer, bottom line. Because we know if we're a people of prayer, man, God's going to do some amazing things. Why? Because he'll be transforming us as, as we navigate life and the challenge, whatever. If we have our relationship right with him, everything else changes. So we want to have this series on prayer, and the first thing is to understand it. I think there has to be an understanding of prayer. You know, we use that word, and as soon as I say prayer, something comes to mind for you. I know I was shaped by prayer early. Uh, my mom and dad being, my dad being a pastor of a church, being in ministry uh, growing up, I learned from the earliest days that when we gathered to have a meal, we would pray. And I was taught in that moment to thank God for the provision that he gave us. Then we would pray for other specific needs uh, throughout the week and sometimes pray before we went to bed. And as I grew, the one thing that I noticed was that whenever there was a need, I found myself going before the Lord in prayer and petitioning him because that had been formed in me. But I want to talk a little bit more about that. I want to lay a little different foundation than sometimes what maybe has been formed in us. I want to lay the biblical foundation of what prayer actually is. And how do we practice it? Not just how we were formed or shaped or our background or the history of prayer, but biblically, how do we practice prayer? What does Jesus say? We're going to look at those things over the next several weeks. But the challenge that I had over the course of time was this, that I would pray and I could see God do amazing things. Have you ever prayed and and God just answered that prayer so vividly, so beautifully? And you saw him do something that seemed impossible. But the God of the impossible did it. I've also been in that other moment where I've been passionate in prayer. And I've prayed the same things and, and to the same God. And yet, it seemed like in those moments he was silent. And so we struggle with these realities that we see some prayers seem to be answered and other prayers seem to go unanswered. And we find ourselves in this place where there's this tension. 
So we have to be able to understand, what, what is that all about? How do I navigate the reality of what I've experienced? And you always tether it back to Scripture. That's our foundation. So I'm going to take you on a brief journey here today, and we're going to talk about the privilege, the privilege of prayer. Have you ever gotten an invitation to like uh, something important? Everybody else didn't get, get a chance to go. You know what I'm talking about? You ever get an invitation to the White House? Anybody? Maybe it was just me. Um, but, you know, you get an invitation um, and it allows you access. And the one thing that I've learned is there are so many people that we respect and we look up to and we think highly of that we don't have access to. We have a desire to have access, but we don't have access to. If I show up on the, 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 uh, f at the front of the White House and I go, yo, man, I want to speak to the president. They go, yo, man, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, and so it doesn't matter how much I want access. Access has been denied. All of these layers. But if I got an invitation... It removes all of those layers and allows me entrance. It allows me access. And when we talk about prayer, it's this amazing thing that we learn that when sin entered the world all the way back in the Garden of Eden, that we had these layers of division and separation between us and God. The story unfolds where even God's presence was in the tabernacle and, and there was a priest in there that would uh, go before God on our behalf and then the temple in Jerusalem that was built so that the, the high priest would intercede for the people but something changed and what changed is one, at that time when Jesus died it says in Mark chapter 15 that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom and access was granted into the presence of God. That we no longer have to stand at a distance. We no longer have to have a human priest because Jesus is our high priest who allows us to come into the presence of the Almighty. We have access. And I, I want to say that, and I'm going to take you through some scriptures to see this because it's critical that we don't take prayer flippantly or casually, that we understand, man, what a privilege it is that the God who created us, that the God who gives us the breath every day welcomes us into his presence. Listen to some of these scriptures, and I, I want you to see them. Hebrews is a great book that talks about this transition that Jesus is our high priest and if you look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 this is what he says he says therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the world or full payment for the sins of the the, the world, the sins of the people. If you look in chapter 4 and verses, uh, let's look at 14 through 16. And he says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 
Look at what he says, though, in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have an invitation, my friend. I, greatest thing in the world. I don't care what you, you can get an invitation, you can get a ticket to the Super Bowl, doesn't even compare. You have access to the God who spoke the world into existence, to the God who knows everything about you and created you. You have access, you have an invitation to spend time with, to come into his throne room and commune with him. So we have this invitation but we also have intimacy, and I want you to hear this. In Galatians chapter 4, I'll read this, because prayer isn't this, you know, it, it can be cold and kind of non-relational if you allow it to be. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a moment where you just prayed and you're like, what just happened? And it didn't feel relational at all? I want you to see what he says in Galatians chapter Four verses four to seven. And again, rooting it in scripture, listen to what he says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive, listen, the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into your hearts. We just talked about that in the last series. Crying, Abba, Father, so that you no longer are a slave, but a son, and of a son, than an heir of God. This is what's amazing, and I want you to see foundationally, we have access. We have an invitation to come into the presence of God, but not as a foreigner, not as a stranger. He says, if you've confessed Jesus Christ is your Savior, you come as a child, as a son, as a daughter, as one of his family. It changes everything. You can walk into the presence of my Father, and I'll tell you this, you, you, you may enjoy some fellowship because my father talks to anyone. I've even asked him at times, Dad, who was that in the story? He goes, I have no clue. I go, well, you spent 15 minutes with him. He goes, I know. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, you know, you can spend the presence with my father and you can have great conversation, but he does not know you. But when I walk into his presence as his son, everything changes because of my relationship with my human father. And the same thing is true. The intimacy that we have with God is that when we enter in prayer and we petition and we enjoy those moments in prayer, we're not walking into God's presence as a foreigner or a stranger. If you've confessed Christ as your savior, you're going as a son or a daughter. And that that changes everything. The second part about intimacy there with God is that when we meet with him, we understand this, that he knows everything about us. You ever think about that? When we come into God's presence, there's nothing hidden from him. How many times have you walked into the presence of someone, whether it was a boss, a friend, a parent, uh, whoever, and you share something with them, and you might even say, I'm just going to be real with you. 
I've heard that statement before, and we're only real to a point. But when we come into God's presence, he knows every struggle. He knows every sin. He knows every fear. He knows everything about you and I. And yet he welcomes us even with that reality being true. He says, come, come. Andrew Murray in his great work on prayer said this. He goes, we don't, prayer isn't just a conversation with God. It's an, it's an experience. It's an encounter with God. Have you ever been with somebody and you spent time with them and you can't remember what, what was said, but because you were with them, it's just like, it's forever like changed you. And you're like, man, it just being with them was amazing. And he reminds us, Andrew Murray, that when we come into God's presence, that it's not just to share information, it's to diametrically change us forever because we encounter the one who loves us perfectly, who created this earth and has a plan, not just for today, but for eternity. That's who we're coming into the presence of. It's amazing. I put in my notes, crazy amazing. Yeah, I, was, I don't know what was happening there. It's like I had a, well, hmm. Second cup of coffee or something. The, th the last thing is I want you to see is the intent of prayer. Not just the intimacy of prayer and the invitation of prayer, but the intent of prayer. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Just think about it. Why do you pray? Why do I pray? I have a prayer list. And, you know, I write down everything so I can really come before the Lord. And I, the first thing is I pray for my family. I pray for evangelism. I pray for people who are far from God. I pray for needs that are evident that I've been, I've been told about. I lift those things up to the Lord in prayer. So I pray for things often. God, would you change this? Would you reach into this moment? Would you do this? And it's usually these type of petitions, and they're not necessarily bad. God tells us to share our petitions, to come and ask. And we're going to look at that in the, more, more later. But what I want you to see is prayer is more than asking God for things. Prayer is to encounter the Almighty, to encounter who he is. I was told a story, and it makes sense to me, and I hope it'll make sense to you. There's a man who would travel often, and he would go, and he'd be out of town. He'd come back from whatever city he was visiting, and he would often bring his daughter a gift every time he'd present her with a gift. And she was so excited uh, that this pattern continued. And after a while, when he'd come home, she would run to the door, and she couldn't wait to see what her dad had brought her. And one time he was busy and he was late for his flight and so he got into the airplane, he got home and he showed up at the front door and his daughter ran to the door and she goes, Daddy, what did you bring me? He goes, honey, I'm sorry. I, I didn't have time this time to, get, to buy you anything, to get you anything. The daughter put her head down and went away sad because 
the father had taught her and almost trained her that it was about the gifts that he gives her, not himself that was bringing her joy, not himself. That now she wasn't just happy to be with her father, she was sad because he didn't bring her something. Can I just say this with prayer? Oftentimes, are we happy to spend time with God? Is that enough? That sometimes we go, but God, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you, whatever. When we encounter God in prayer, when we are in his presence because of the work of Jesus Christ, when we're in that moment, it's the encounter with God that allows us to trust him. That ultimately what our hearts are shaped by this encounter so that God, if you choose, I am petitioning these things, but God, I trust you with the answer. Why? Because it's not just about a conversation and a request. It's about a realization of who I'm spending time with. Man, I, I wanted to lay this foundation because this is critical we can talk about the power of prayer, what God does, and all these things. You know, go back to the beginning. We are walking into the presence of God, fully known, not as a stranger or foreigner, but as a child, one who is a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Knowing that ultimately in this moment that I share my request or my heart, that he is going to answer perfectly. So my trust when I walk away and my confidence is not about the answer. It's about the person. It's about the person. I hope, I hope Grace Chapel is known as a praying church. I hope we will take petitions of each other and we will lift them before the Father, but we will also in that moment have confidence that God, you are perfect and you know me perfectly and we can trust you. And we're gonna see the hand of God move mightily. We're gonna see him do incredible things. But the biggest thing is how he shapes our hearts and our minds. In Ephesians chapter one, you see that Paul never, actually throughout all of Paul's writing, he never asked for the circumstance of the people that he's writing to to change. He never says, God, you know, they're going through incredible suffering. Would you please stop the suffering or this and that? You know what he does? He says in, in verse 18 of chapter one, he says, set their minds on things above. Allow, enlighten their hearts that they may see that you are greater than whatever they are walking through. Because my friend, listen, we're always gonna walk through stuff. Our stuff is never greater than the God we're praying to. And so God, lift up my eyes, the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my mind, that I might see your power, your glory and your majesty, and that I would trust in that. So God help us, not just be a praying church, but a biblically sound praying church. So God, use these moments as we have gathered here today. It's amazing I can stand here and walk into your presence and that we can call you Father because of what Jesus has done. 
And we celebrate that in this place. God, help us to be faithful, not flippant. Help us not to take prayer as a casual thing. Help us not just to come before you to get stuff. But may we enjoy our time with you. And may it be an encounter that would change us and shape us in the very essence of who we are becoming. And we give you glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.